Let's talk to Alan Menon, Director of UK in a Changing Europe. Alan, a very good uh, morning to you. Welcome. Hi, Mike. You all right? Yeah, very well indeed. Long time uh, no speak, but, uh, you know, the, the Brexit uh, scenario continues to roll on in the background. Um, it's all gone sort of a bit friendly, hasn't it? Uh, well, the tone has shifted a bit, but I'd be careful in saying that the EU has softened their position because I think what's happened, and this is according to a report in The Times and the other newspapers don't seem to be carrying the same sort of thing, but what seems to have happened is the EU are now saying we are happy to start drafting a legal text. Now, that matters because previously the EU has said we're not going to start drafting till all the outstanding issues are resolved. Mm. The problem is that the outstanding issues aren't resolved as yet, so they're going to start drafting, but the same problems over subsidies, over fish, are there. Yes. So as far as their kind of uh, legal um, sort of casework, I suppose, goes, what would be important about that and how would that be drafted and how would it affect whatever comes out of it? I suppose what, what matters here is time in the sense that it takes a long time to draft a trade agreement to put it in the precise legal language they're going to want and the EU are going to want real precision over this because they're a bit worried about what they see as Boris Johnson reneging on what he signed up to last year. Mm. And to get that written out, to get it past all the member states, because remember, all the 27 have to be happy with every dot and comma, right. is going to take time. So I think they figured out that if we want a deal, we're going to have to start getting it onto paper now, even if we still haven't resolved the outstanding issues. So is it a, it's a stalling tactic, perhaps, as well? Uh, I think it was a stalling tactic to refuse to draft in the sense that by saying we're not going to write anything down until everything's agreed, it held everything up. But now it's whatever the opposite of a stalling tactic is, i.e. They're, they're unblocking things and getting things down on paper in the hope that the two sides can compromise on the matters of principle that are holding the talks up. Right. Now, there's a European summit, I think, on October the 15th, so presumably they'd like to see all of this at least put into some kind of draft framework before that. Yeah, I think that deadline, and it's a deadline the Prime Minister has mentioned, is crucial simply because at the end of the day, it is only the people who go to these European summits that have the political authority to make the compromises necessary. That's to say, it's only President Macron who can make the decision that French fishermen are going to have to put up with getting slightly fewer fish. Mm. And one of the problems with the talks today, and it's partly a COVID problem, is because everyone's been so profoundly distracted by the pandemic, there hasn't been the amount of political attention that we'd have expected and that we need to get these talks unlocked. Well, I mean, can you imagine how much of this we would be seeing on the front pages if it wasn't for COVID? <laughs> no, no, absolutely, absolutely. And it's been, I mean, you know, it's, it's in a sense, you, would, you might have thought that Brexit not being on the front pages would have freed people from political constraints, but in actual fact, it's denied Brexit the political attention that it needs to get these talks going. Mm, quite. And so what would you expect to happen in the next two or three days then? Uh, well, my guess has always been that there's going to be a deal for the simple reason that both sides would really far prefer to have a deal than to have no deal. The problem is both sides have dug their heels in as a matter of principle, particularly on this issue of state subsidies. And it's very hard to predict which side, if either, is going to give ground. Mm. Uh, and I, I think, in a way, what's going to happen is we'll end up with something that is a little bit of a fudge because Boris Johnson, remember, has got to sell this deal to his parliamentarians and many of the same parliamentarians who are worried about him giving in to Brussels 
are precisely those who are kicking up a fuss over COVID restrictions mm. and so on. So he's wary about annoying that same set of MPs again. Yes. And also, of course, one of the things about the, the, the Brexit that we would prefer anyway in this country, or by far the, the, the majority of people would prefer, um, is a kind of um, a, a not too uh, a dangerous one, a not too and one filled with too much animosity. But inevitably it will be a fudge because you can't dot every I and cross every T before you get there. No, no, absolutely. But when it comes to animosity, when it comes to the mood music between Brussels and London, I think the crucial difference there is between getting a deal and not getting a deal. Mm. I think whatever kind of deal we get, if the two sides sit down and shake hands on it, then relations with them will be pretty good. We can continue talking to the EU in future months and years. Whereas if the talks break down and both sides head home and start blaming the other for the failure and for the disruption then I think we're in for a very rocky road in terms of relations with the EU. Lord Frost does seem to be a more capable um, man at this particular business, though, does he not? Well, I'm not sure I'd put it down to Lord Frost. I'm sure he's a very impressive negotiator. I think the fundamental difference is Boris Johnson doesn't have to deal with a hung parliament. And that was the root of Theresa May's problems. If Theresa May had had a majority of 80... I think her life would have been far, far easier. And that, of course, is why she decided to have that election in 2017. Yes. It's one of those imagine if, isn't it? I mean, imagine if she did have a majority of 80. Do you think she'd still be Prime Minister? Well, God, possibly, yes. I mean, we've got to bear in mind that the Conservative Party is quite divided. Mm. But, of course, that Parliamentary Conservative Party, which contained the likes of David Livington, David Gork, a lot of those who subsequently... Uh, left Parliament or were thrown out of the party or both, mm. was a very different Conservative Party to this one. Boris Johnson not only has a majority, but he has Conservative MPs, all of whom have essentially taken the Brexit pledge. Mm. And whilst they might disagree with him on COVID or on a number of other things, I think it's very unlikely any of them are going to put up much of a fight on Brexit, unless he's seen to have given into the EU too much, in which that... You remember the ERG? I do. In case... Well, if I suppose the, 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 the other thing about politicians, and particularly inside the Conservative Party, is that if they smell um, a bit of weakness, they might go in for the kill um, because they're not happy with the way he's handling coronavirus. I mean, I personally think that the one thing that Boris has handled well is Brexit so far. But if it looks like he's starting to weaken and it's looking like he's going to start costing the Tories any, not only popularity but, but a few seats in the next election, you know, they might suddenly look at the way he's dealing with Brexit and go, actually, we don't really like what you're doing. Yeah, possibly. My sense at the moment is, in I mean, the election's a long way away, mm. but it does strike me that the fundamental issue, insofar as we can predict it at all for the next election, is not going to be Brexit. It's going to be the handling of the pandemic, and yeah. particularly, and this is yet to come, a handling of the economic impact of lockdown, which we're going to see over the next six months. Yes, I think that's absolutely right. Well, we should watch this space, Alan. Thanks very much indeed. Good to talk to you. Alan Menon, Director of the UK in a Change Europe.